Jesus, we are um, so very aware of our great need for you to the, this evening. Uh, Lord, there's, there's not a hope inside us that we can fix ourselves, Lord. And, and that's the correct place to be. That's the right place that we need to be living in before you. Just that humility, Lord. Lord, we have a, um, a strong and a powerful God who, who is here to be our helper and our savior tonight. And I just pray, Lord, that we would allow you to be all that you want to be in our life. I pray that we would surrender completely. God, that your word would bring revelation and a new way of thinking to us that each one of us has never thought before. Lord, because your word is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, God, and you can change us. You can bring us freedom. You love bringing freedom. You don't bring us into bondage. You bring us out of bondage. God, we, we rejoice in that. We look to you and you alone, Jesus, and, and Holy Spirit, we want you to teach us. Lord God, give us the words, give us the thoughts that you want us to think right now. And God, make us new people. Make us truly spiritual people. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, we are, I'm going to be very excited tonight to talk to you about what we're talking about. We're in Galatians 5, and we're going to be starting in verse 16. And these are maybe some of the most powerful verses in the entire Bible. It's just, we are, we are in it right now. We are in a place that is so exciting right now. We are talking about the liberty of life in the Spirit. We spent a lot of weeks talking about legalism. Our whole, our whole series in Galatians has been war on legalism and how we don't relate to God based on our performance and the law. And we're going to hit on those themes again a little bit tonight, or a lot tonight. But the really great part of tonight, it's, it's almost like we've been saying, what, don't do it this way, don't do it this way, and these guys are deceiving you, don't do it that way. But tonight we really get into the meat of well, then what do we do? What do we do as Christians, as believers, as followers of Jesus? What is it that we're actually doing? And so uh, the title of tonight's message is Not a License, Not a Law, It's the Spirit. It's not a license, it's not a law, it's a spirit. And that's going to make a lot of sense to you by the end. Right now you might be like, what are you talking about? But we'll get there. All right. So we're, we're talking today about three, uh, four things. I'll, I'll give you kind of our preview of things we're going to talk about. Number one is the walk that's available in the Holy Spirit. There's a walk that's available to us believers. Number two, the necessity of walking in the Spirit. It's not an option for us believers. And we've looked at uh, in our study entitled Mutually Exclusive, Mutually Exclusive, how uh, legalism and grace do not coexist. They are bad bedfellows. They do not ever go together. And in a Christian's life, you can't have legalism and grace. And tonight we're going to see that there's, in, a, in the way that we walk, in the way that this is practically lived out in our life, it also is not an option. We don't have an option, oh, today I'm going to do it on my own without Jesus. We're going to find out today that that's a complete abandonment of the way God wants us to go. So, and also, we're going to look at how there's a spiritual war within us, flesh versus the spirit, 
And you cannot win this battle in your own efforts or resources. But there is a way to walk in victory, and that's walking in the Spirit. So we're going to talk about that. And then, again, to summarize our title and and kind of the summary of tonight, it's going to be, we are not lawless. We as Christians, we're not lawless. In other words, we don't have a license to sin. We don't have this sloppy agape, this grace that's cheap, as people call it, that just says, hey, bro, it's okay. You can, you can do that. You can displease God over here because grace is going to cover it. That's not what we're talking about. But also, we are not under the law. We're not under legalism. It's not a one or the other, okay? The, the, the um, legalism is over here. The license to sin is over here. And what you and me get... What you and me are going to do is we're going to walk in the middle. We are going to be believers who are filled by the Spirit and who walk by grace. And we're going to be fulfilling the law in our walk, in our daily life, but yet not even have to be under the law. So it's a success. It's victory. It's, it works. This is how Christianity works. Some people think, why is Christianity? Why are you a Christian? And I like to say sometimes because it works. My trying hard did not work. My trusting Jesus works. Amen? Amen. All right, so Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, let's go. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the lust, for the flesh, lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Let's break it down. The only way to not fulfill the lust of the flesh is to walk in the Spirit. It's the only way. That's what Paul's saying. This is the way. Okay? He didn't say it was to try hard. Again, we've, we've said that sentence so many times during our war on legalism, during our study in Galatians. I, I think so many times it could have been written in here if you just tried a little harder, but it never has been written. And we've pointed that out. So the only way to not fulfill the lust of the spirit, the lust of the flesh, excuse me, the lust of the flesh, is to walk in the spirit. That means to have victory over those lusts of the flesh, which we're going to talk a bit about what that is. But the only way to have that victory is a gift from God. It's, it's, it's nothing that's attained through fighting. It's a gift. So it's a step-by-step process until you reach heaven. Okay? So we're going to walk in the Spirit. He, say, he doesn't say, uh, I say then, um, just get the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He says, walk in the Spirit. Okay, when you, when you made the decision to follow Jesus, what happened? You received the Spirit, right? This Holy Spirit said, I'm going to come and live inside you. And it was wonderful. Now, is that the only time that you need the Spirit of God? Is the day you got forgiven of all your sins? Absolutely not. And that's what this is talking about, okay? We We don't just need the Spirit on the day that we got up or were born again or were placed on our feet, but as we learn to walk every day, day by day, step by step, in every disagreement you have with your husband and wife, in every challenge you have, in every trial you have, in every 
pain that you feel. It's a daily walk in the Spirit is how you're going to have victory. So, every issue you face, one by one, by humble dependence on Jesus Christ and on His resources we trust. This is the heart of Christian living. This is what it's all about. This is, this is what we preach at church. Trust Jesus, right? Just read your Bible and pray, right? That's what you hear. And that's what this is about. It is about your relationship with Jesus. So the hope that we have, the hope that we have is that we will walk in victory if we walk in the Spirit. This is a guarantee. There's not many guarantees in this world. You know, people say life, tax or death, taxes and What's the other one they say? Death and taxes? Is that it? The only two guarantees? Or, now we have a third one, that if you, you will have victory in your life if you walk by the Spirit. It's a guarantee. So he says here that the lust of the flesh is what's going to be cut out of our life. The ungodly or uncontrolled desires of our humanity is what that's talking about. So we do have ungodly desires inside us, but sometimes we just have uncontrolled desires like eating sometimes i don't control my eating and it gets to the point of sin <laughs> i know that other um desire and it can so that can is then a, a lust of the flesh there's other lusts of the flesh that come to your mind as well physical ideas of um that are either totally ungodly or just an innocent thing that you let get out of control in your life so Matthew chapter 26 verse 41, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you guys. You don't have to turn there yet unless you want to. You can turn there and highlight it if you want. Matthew chapter 26 verse 41, Jesus says, Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Mm. There's a lot more involved to the Christian life than just willingness, isn't there? Just willingness. How many times have you heard it said, or even said it yourself, I really want to do what's right. I want to. But I just can't. Or I just, I failed. Or I just messed up. I wanted to do what was right. I wanted to be loving. I wanted to be patient. But she pushed my buttons. But he was a jerk. And we, it's the doing that we're, we have a problem with. The willingness is there. Jesus said it. The Spirit is willing. I see that, guys. I understand. The day you became a Christian, your desires changed. Yeah, now you want to do the will of God. Great. That's wonderful. But the how to do the will of God? That's the big question. That's the big question because Jesus says, the flesh is weak. So, don't do it by the flesh. Hmm. So what do we do? What does Jesus say we were supposed to do in that verse? He said, watch and pray. Well, that's not, that doesn't seem like it's too hard. Exactly. Walking in the Spirit is not like building an ark. It's not like building the Great Wall of China. It's not like these effort things that we make. The Christian life is so hard. I just have to grit my teeth and, and fight against sin with all that's inside. That's not what it's like. 
Jesus said, watch and pray. What does that mean? Walk in the Spirit. It's all about saying, Lord, I need you. Man, just just be vigilant of your life saying, God, I need you all the time. I'm watching and I'm praying. I'm, I'm I'm looking in the Word. I'm watching and I'm praying. I'm speaking to the Lord. I'm just, I'm giving it to the Lord. I'm saying, Lord, I need you. A sign was seen in a textile mill that said, when your thread becomes tangled, call the foreman. Big sign. You can picture it in your mind, right? Mill, string everywhere. A young woman was new on the job. Her thread became tangled and she thought, I'll just straighten this out myself. She tried, but the situation only worsened. Finally, she called the foreman. I did the best I could, she said. And he said, no, you didn't. To do the best, you should have called me. To do the best, you should have just called me. Called on me. Yet we think as Christians, oh, I'll get, I'll get my life untangled right now. I'll figure it out. I'm going to get this done. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out why I'm addicted to pornography. I'm going to figure it out why I can't be faithful in my mind. I'm going to figure this stuff out. I'll figure it out. And God's like, that's not going to work. Watch and pray and see what happens in your life. Watch and pray and let me do the figuring. Let me do the fixing. I can take care of it. I even gave you a sign. I said I can take care of it. John chapter 3 verse 6 says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You see, what comes from the Spirit is life. We said at the very beginning of our Galatian study that Galatians teaches us that we're to be really, truly, real, no doubt, no faking it, spiritual people, and not legalistic. Legalistic is faking spirituality. It's, it's pretending to be spiritual by the actions that you do. That's faking. But we are to be truly spiritual. Okay, so here he says that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So the spirit gives life, but the flesh, the flesh, all it is ever going to bring is death and disappointment. Because that's what flesh is. Death and disappointment. What did you really expect, though? I mean, that, that we would eventually just figure out all this righteousness and sin stuff, that we'd just figure it out in our life? With our, with our great human ingenuity, we would figure out how we could eventually be righteous enough for God. Ephesians 2, 3, I'm going to read this one to you as well. We're going to turn in our Bibles to, uh, to the book of Romans, but I have a lot of verses tonight, so I'm just going to read you a good portion of them. Then in Romans, we'll actually turn there and, and look at some of those more in depth. But in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Among whom also uh, we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath, just as the others. This is what the life of the flesh is described by. The very nature of our fleshly efforts, the nature of all of our resources inside us, everything that that we think we bring to the table when it comes to our life, that's the flesh. So are you telling me everything inside of me is worthless? If it's from your resources, yes. 
It is the flesh reaps death and destruction. He says here in this verse, it says. The, uh, we were by nature children of wrath, the natural way of looking at things, the natural resources we bring to the table only brings wrath because it signifies rebellion. Adam, when he sinned, it was an act of rebellion against God. And that little rebellious seed is in every single one of us. And it doesn't go away. It's in you right now. There's a part of you right now that that wants to yell, just throw a booger at me. Because you're, you have a rebellious side in you and you're just like, no, this is, I have to have something. There's something good in me. Well, there can be good in you if it's put there by God, but your resources are not there. It's just empty. So, what do we do about that? And he says here, the mind, uh, the desires of the flesh and of the mind, the natural way of thinking, how I can figure all this stuff out. That part of rebellion is linked to our mind. The greatest minds of our, of our human history, some of them were some of the greatest rebels, just rebellious to the core, yet really smart, but totally rebellious. And that describes a lot of our school system, a lot of the world around us, the government. There are some smart, stinking people, but totally rebellious at the same time. So that, that root of rebellion is one of the reasons why our flesh cannot be trusted. And it says here that it's the lust of our flesh and the desires of the flesh and the mind were by nature make us children of wrath. It's not good for us. So in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. So I'm teaching you, I'm explaining to you what the problem is with the lust of the flesh, okay? Is that it's of the world. It's not of the Father. It doesn't have its root in godliness. It has its root in rebellion. So the lust of the flesh, whatever feels good. That's how people make decisions, huh? You can be smart and still make decisions based on what feels good. With the lust of the eyes, whatever looks good. Well, it looks good. Or the pride of life, whatever pumps you up. Whatever makes you feel like a better person. Whatever builds up your self-esteem and pride is not from God. It's from the world. And what is its purpose? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what those three things do. They steal and they kill and they destroy. So there's not, it's not like there's some resources that we could find that, that are going to help us in the lust, in whatever feels good, the lust of the flesh. Well, so should we make our decisions based on what feels good? Well, it's not comfortable for me to be in my job right now. I'm sorry. God wants you there. Well, it doesn't really look right that, there's, that, that people shouldn't be able to just get an abortion whenever they want. I'm sorry. It's not right. But it doesn't... But, but you're telling me that my self-esteem issues aren't what's really causing my problem. That I shouldn't be working on building my self-esteem. Exactly. Your self-esteem is probably your problem. 
So it's a different way. The world's way of looking at things is going to kill you in the end. It doesn't lead to godliness. But what we're going to talk about now is how we get led to godliness. Because look at the opposite. The opposite is Jesus. Of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The opposite is Jesus. What does he say? He says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Well, is that comfortable? Does that sound like the most comfortable thing to do? Have a huge cross placed on your back, the instrument of your own death, carrying it around day by day? Oh, that doesn't sound comfortable. Does it look like the way to go? Okay, let myself be degraded, even walked on and spit upon and hated and not retaliate. Does that seem like, does that look like the way to go? Hmm. But he says, then follow me. Follow his example. And yet, that's walking in the Spirit. And that's where we're going to find life, is following him, following his ways, letting his Spirit direct us. So now, look in Romans. We're going to, we're going to turn now to Romans, because this is just too good to not see with your own eyes. So turn to Romans chapter 7. We're going to jump all around Romans 6, 7, 8, 4, 3. I don't know. We may just read the whole book. Kind of depends on how, how it goes, if you're getting it or not. <laughs> Romans chapter 7, verse 18. Look what he says here. He says, For I know, I know, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. The life that, so he's saying the life that I could produce out of my own self resources, there's nothing good there. There's no good resources there. You wouldn't go start an um, oil drill in, I don't know, where's a, place not to, where's a good place not to drill for oil? Like the top of a mountain, a volcano. Not a good idea, okay? Because there's no good resources there. In a volcano, all the resources are liquid, so they're not really in a usable state. <laughs> I don't know, I'm making stuff up off the top of my head here. <clears throat> the resources of our flesh are just like that. They have no, there's no good resources there. He says, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. We cannot find the resources to perform what is good, but they can be given to us because God is good. God is good, and he has a lot of good resources. In fact, he has kind of a monopoly on the good resources. He is the source of all good. So his monopoly, his, his source, is given to us freely in what's called the Holy Spirit. It's given to us when we live by the Holy Spirit because he is good. That's what living in the Spirit is. The Lord coming down with all his resources into your life and giving it all to you. Giving you all the resources. Notice what he says here. We have the willingness, but the doing is different. Paul had willingness. He says, the will is present with me. I love, I want to do what's right. But the, what's he say? But the how to perform 
What is good, I do not find. What does he mean? Does he mean he didn't, he, he's not ever going to find it? No, because he's going to explain to us how he does find it. But he can't find it in his own. And there are books and there are colleges and there are degrees of people who want to help you find good inside you apart from Jesus Christ. And they will, they will almost die and they'll get angry trying to convince you that there's good inside you. And so much so that you don't need, they'll do anything to try to convince you that you don't need Jesus. They'll do anything to convince you. And all we say in the church when we preach the Bible is you need Jesus. You have to have Jesus. So many people think, think it's just about wanting to do what's right. But it's not just about wanting to do what's right. It's the spiritual resources to do what's right that's the key. And many Christians, believers, people who have been born again, seem to never draw upon these resources. Why? How? Because they think it was just a get-out-of-hell-free card. They came to Jesus one day, and they cried out to him, and they called upon his name, and he saved them. He was faithful to do that. But the next day, when their evil desires rose up in their flesh, they didn't call out to Jesus again. They said, I gotta, I gotta figure this out. I gotta try. And did they find it? No. Because no one ever has. Paul says, No one, I didn't find it. Paul could have. He was the best of all of us, probably, but he couldn't find it. So look at chapter 8, verse 13. Romans 8, 13. It's probably on the same page for you. He says there, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, the spirit, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live. The spiritual vitality after you are born again is related to the resources you draw from. If you look at your life and you say, the, the day I was saved, everything changed. I've been walking in victory. I've been freed from so many things. I have, from that day forward, I have stepped forward and, and just been godly. I've lived my life godly. It doesn't mean I have been perfect, but my life has been marked by godliness. That's wonderful. I know what you do. You spend time with Jesus. You draw upon spiritual resources and you are a spiritual person. But you say, oh, I got saved in 1975 and then I got saved again in 1983 because nothing happened in 1975 to 1983. I still was doing drugs. And then and I got saved again in 1991 because this all this time I was, I was just totally selfish and into psychology. And then I got saved again. And you know what? You may have gotten saved the first time. You may have truly, honestly believed from your heart. But I know exactly what resources you were drawing from. Your own pitiful, pathetic, internal resources of your flesh. Because of the same ones I do. It's the same resources I have, so they're familiar to me. And we're going to look next week in depth at a list of them. And we're going to find out some really interesting things about these things because they're tricky and it's tricky for us sometimes is this the flesh or is this the spirit but we're going to become skilled at discovering those things so 
We do have a place we can go every day to find what we need. And the crazy thing is, is that place is a person. It's a person. And you guys have heard, you guys have been here enough to know that that person is Jesus Christ. And it's through a relationship with him that these resources flow into your life. You will get worn out, condemned, discouraged, disappointed, and broken when you don't call on his name for his provisions. That's just what that life looks like. The word describes here in Romans 8.13, if you live according to the flesh, by the resources of the flesh, the resources your body and your brain have, it is, you will die, it says. Death will be the outcome. But by the, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. By the Spirit, we renounce or take those things to the cross. The dependence, that dependence on our own ability, that dependence on our own resources, we say no to that we, and we bring death to ourself, death to our way of thinking, death to us. And in that, we will live. But I can't figure that out. I can't figure out how that happens. That's exactly right. We don't have to try to figure it out. God never said, figure this out. He said, do it. Spend time with me. Trust me. And it will be given. It just works. Just come to him and ask for his help. And his spirit, whose name is the helper, will help. That's what it's all about. And notice, this is life or death for a Christian. The results of this, of how you walk, is life or death. If it's by the flesh, you die. If it's by the Spirit, you live. Galatians, back in chapter 5, verse 17. Keep your finger here in Romans, though. But in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these things are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Why do we not want to do Why do we not do what we want to do? Because we have a flesh and spirit battling, all right? And what happens when we we attempt to engage in this battle with our own efforts? What happens when we buckle down and say, all right, I'm going to do it today. Today's the day. I'm going to stop sinning. I'm going to stop this thing. I'm going to be content. I'm going to have this fruit of the spirit. I'm going to do something right. Today's the day. When we make that decision and and it's from our own efforts, that's the day we fail again. And how many of you can attest that that's been the story of your life? Boy, your hand shot up fast. Amen, bro. Me too. Instead of a humble dependence upon the Holy Spirit to fix us in His time, we want it in our time. See, the the thing is, we are the source of the problem and not the source of the solution. That's what we got. That's what we bring to the party. No, I don't have to bring anything to your party Friday. I don't have to bring anything. But I'm going to bring my flesh. How about that? You'll feed my flesh. All right. Well, this is going to be a fun party. Look, we are the source of the problem. The solution does not come from anything you can figure out. Back in Romans. Chapter 7, verse 19 now. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. 
Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. Okay, so the evil, he's speaking of his flesh, but he has this will. Since he's been born again, he has the will. He wants to do what's right, but he's got this flesh that's present with him. 4, verse 22, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. So he's talking about that. Man, he loves to see the will of God accomplished because he's been born again. He has the spirit living in him. Verse 23, But I see another law in my members, which is his flesh, warring against the law of my mind, what I understand to be right and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. See, the thing is, we still have this same humanity, this body, this flesh, this sin that we had before we were saved. We're still living in it. And the greatest mistake in the Christian life is to underestimate our need for the Lord on a daily basis in our life. We don't need him any less than that day that you called upon him with tears on your knees to be saved. Was any of your guys' salvation experience like that? Where you were broken? Just busted? And that's exactly what our daily life is to look like. And some of us who didn't have necessarily that time, maybe we had a time where we did get broken, and we remember that day. We remember a day of, of new surrender. And we remember, remember what that felt like, that total, I, I have nothing, God, but I'm totally broken before you. Please have mercy on me. It was the day you broke up with the boy or the girl. That, that seems to get us, huh? Maybe it's the day you got fired. Maybe it's the day your parents got divorced. I don't know what day it was. But it was a day when we were totally dependent. Where did that day go? Why is our daily life not like that? Maybe it is. It should be. That's where this victory is found. When we need him, when we understand that we need him so much, so much, that we're broken for him, we're desperate for him, we seek him, we call upon him, that's where victory is found. That's it. It's not by our trying hard. It is a free gift out of dependence. How much do you depend upon me? That's how much I'll meet you. It's wonderful. Look what he says in verse 24. Oh, wretched man that I am, which is humility. He doesn't, he doesn't lie about his resources he says, oh, wretched man that I am. He's totally true about his resource. He understands his resources. He says, who will deliver me from this body of death where my source of my resources is just zilch, where I have nothing to offer? I cannot change myself. Who's going to deliver me? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with my mind, I serve the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. See, as we try to do what's right in our own resources, we are actually brought into the captivity of sin. That's what he's saying here. When you try anything, when you try to fix anything out of your own resources, without that humble, broken dependence on God, when you make that effort, you are actually just brought into captivity immediately. The shackles go on. Boom. Done. You're a prisoner of it now. 
Because you will never... It's just, it's a law. It's a law. With his mind, he'll serve the law of God, but with his flesh, the law of sin. It, it's, it's an immediate shackle. It's an immediate prison. When, when, we, when we go to our resources, and that happens every morning, it's a temptation every morning, we get up and it's like, okay, I, I, I need to be godly today at work, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it. Done. Over. You lost. The day's gone. Sorry. We have no resources. We don't have it. And then the next day, we're just like, oh, yesterday sucked. <laughs> I am, I am broken, God. I got yelled at by my boss. I think my wife hates me. I don't know what's going on. God, I, I can't even get up. I'm just going to roll over and cry and beg you for help. And that day you're filled with the Spirit and everything's great. And the next day we're like, I'm good. And everything's terrible again. And we do it every day. We go and we, we do it over and over and over again. And we just... The remedy is to just trust Jesus and to find new life in Him. The answer is still same, the same as that first day that you believed. A humble cry for a deliverer. Oh, wretched man that I am. Every morning you can pray that you have my permission. Just plagiarize Paul every day. This verse. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver? Jesus will deliver. That's who. I thank God through Jesus Christ. He is a comprehensive deliverer. He's like Avan delivering for UPS. Never, never fails, right? Never, never fails. He, he, he delivered us when we called on him in the first day when we were born again. He will deliver us on a, in the future when we go to heaven, when we enter into his gates, he'll deliver us then. And every day in between, he is there to deliver us. He doesn't fail. So back in Galatians verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. We do not relate to God by our fleshly performance, yet when we are trying to gain his acceptance by our performance standard, we are putting ourselves under the law. Then the law starts tutoring us all over again. So, the law is good at doing what it does, and it drives us to Christ. And that's what the day-by-day thing is. We have a bad day because we put ourselves under the law and that law is just like, you need Jesus, you need Jesus, you need Jesus. And so we come back to Jesus the next day. And it's, it, oh, it would be glorious if we would go two days in a row with dependence upon Jesus, wouldn't it? And imagine a whole life of dependence, humble dependence upon Jesus. Imagine what he could do. We will end up walking in failure, condemnation, or striving when we're under the law. But when we are led by the Spirit, the result is fruit. Fruit. Instead of trying to figure out something, fruit just pops out. I was just broken this morning and, and now I see my horrible boss and I just, I somehow have a heart of love and compassion for him. Where did that come from? Definitely not me. I hate that guy. And you can be honest. My flesh hates that person. 
But my spirit is bearing fruit to God, which is pleasing to God, which is love, patience, kindness, long-suffering. Oh, man, we've got to understand there are two different things, our flesh and our spirit. We've got to put to death those deeds of the flesh. Romans 7, verses 4 through 6. I told you we're going back and forth. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you might be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work on our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. We are not, so we are not striving with best intentions. But there is a new power for new life with the Holy Spirit available to us every day. It is a newness every day. It's not just we got the new Holy Spirit one time, but he, he uses the word new here in talking about our daily walk. Every day is to be a new adventure with God, a new journey with Him, a new drawing upon His resources, a new di- diving into the depths of His grace, a new dependence upon Him. New. Every day new. And I know when I go a day without spending time with him in the morning, I missed out on something new. And sometimes doesn't life just seem like it's getting old? Not in the Holy Spirit. Never in the Holy Spirit. It's always new. And it's not striving with best intentions. You know that? Best, well, we could go on forever on that. Whatever. Best intentions are not good. We actually have performance given to us. Second Corinthians 10.3, I'll read it to you. We do not walk, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. See, that's the battle, the flesh versus the spirit. Us or God, flesh or spirit, try or trust, faking a relationship with God or having a true relationship with God. That's the battle. Though we're in the flesh, we're not warring according to the flesh. Though we're in it, we see it. We see that we could have efforts, we could try. But then, where is my dependence on Jesus? So are you telling me that I need to not try? Yes. How many times could I say that? Stop trying. But my marriage needs so much work. Stop trying. But my boss needs so much hate. Stop trying. Trying is our enemy. God just wants us to be believers. Be trusting on his resources. And he takes responsibility for the actions. He takes responsibility for the fruit. He takes that responsibility. How great is that? How freeing is that? You mean I don't have to figure this out? Yeah, we've done this. All right, the last thing we're going to talk about is John 6.63. It said, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, though, those are spirit and they are life. Oh, man. These works, these efforts, are the enemy of your life. This dependence on our own resources, they are the, oh my gosh, they are, 
They are exactly what Satan wants you to depend on, is yourself. And he's got the whole world behind him right now convincing you, you got it inside you, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Instead of depending on Jesus, being broken and crying out. And all these uh, works that we're going to see next week, all these flesh, all this results of the flesh and fruits of the flesh, all these works, they are a result of just us being us. Which is great. But interaction with Jesus and a humble devotion to believe his words bring the spirit and life into our lives. Look what he says here. The flesh profits nothing, so everything you ever try to do is going to be worthless. Stop trying. But the words I speak to you, my word, all the time you spend in my word, believing me, trusting me, engaging with me in my word, that is the spirit and it is life. This is how you're going to engage with the Spirit. This is how you guys are going to go from here and change and be different. Is instead of you thinking, I'm going, to, I'm going to be a good person tomorrow, you're going to think, I'm going to spend time with Jesus tomorrow. And then I'll be whatever kind of person I'm going to be. I'll be whatever I'm going to be. But I'm desperate for His Spirit. And I'm desperate for His words. I'm desperate for it. And, it, and that's, all I'm, that's all I care about. That's my whole deal. It's Jesus' words. Like he said, the words I speak to you, they're spirit and they are life. That's where the life is. Not in our fleshly efforts. In his words. Next week, we're going to look carefully at the next verses in Galatians, which are the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, reveries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're going to cover those in depth next week. But suffice it to say, I want to say one thing about them. It says there that they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. You're not saved if this marks your life. That's kind of scary. That's frightening. And I think it's supposed to be. See, it never brings us peace. The Bible never brings us peace about living in licentiousness or having a license to sin. See what it says here. Those works of the flesh all those things, those are things that Christians try to justify sometimes and say they have a license to sin or they can be licentious is the big word, the big theology word for the day. But we don't have the license to sin. All those are works of the flesh. What are we doing to our flesh? We're killing it day by day. How are we doing that? By desperately reading the Bible in the mornings. And at night, and at your lunch break, and every single moment you have meditating on his word, you are putting to death the deeds of the flesh. See, I don't have to worry about telling someone that grace, warning someone not to be too heavy on grace, and thinking that they're going to go use it as this sloppy agape or this, this license to sin. I don't have to worry about that. Why? Because if they're filled with the Spirit, they will not do that. How could, why would the Spirit of God lead them to sin? He doesn't. The Spirit of God produces righteous fruit. So if there's fleshly fruit in their life, I know what they need. More of Jesus in their life. I know what I need. More of Jesus in my life. 
I don't have to worry about how they're taking it. I just say, you need Jesus because you're terrible. Like me. I need Jesus because I'm terrible. So, it's not licentiousness on this side. It's not legalism on this side. It's just grace and the Spirit. Right down the middle. We just follow Jesus down that narrow path. We just pray and trust Him. We call on His name and wait on Him. We just are spiritual people filled with the Spirit and humbly dependent on His resources and His gifts. Amen? Amen. You guys are awesome. Let's pray. Jesus, why have we let so many days go by where we haven't called upon your name like we did in the first day? Are we like that church that's left its first love? Has our, has our passion for you failed? Has our dependence on you weakened? Lord, search our hearts. In some ways, it's pretty easy to tell where we haven't been trusting you, where we haven't been dependent on your resources because that's the sin we see in our life. Jesus, I thank you so much for the the sure thing of your grace. Lord, that it works. The Lord, you'd never turn away someone who calls upon your name. So Jesus, we, we all join together right now to call upon your name. We got nothing. We have nothing to offer. But Lord, we need you. We need your Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to walk by the Spirit so we can have that guarantee that we will not fulfill these lusts of our flesh. God, I pray that you bring us clarity as we think about walking by the Spirit. Lord, that we remember day by day to be humbly dependent upon you and ask for your Spirit. Lord, I pray for those in here who are hurting tonight and who need a special touch from you, a special outpouring of grace. Lord, I pray that you would help them. For those who are brokenhearted because of anything, God. Lord, we pray for tomorrow at at work and wherever we're going to be tomorrow, Lord, that you would use us and give us boldness to preach Jesus. That we would invite people to come and hear about you, that we would we would see you do great things, Lord. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, I need you. And I believe, I believe that you're going to be the one that answers this prayer.
sacraments in Jesus' name, according to his power, we pray. Amen.